I don't know if you guys noticed when you came in, but um, we're actually getting some work done on our church. Isn't that exciting? Yay, praise the Lord. And so um, we, I know we've talked about this about a month ago, but we've been having some issues with our roof. And so it's actually been issues that have been going on for quite some time, sadly. And so um, we um, recently um, got connected with a, a business that's going to be doing our roof. And so um, they are starting, they're supposed to be starting the, the removal of the roof on Monday. And so, um, so yeah, so if you drive by, you could heckle them out the window. You know, I'm just kidding. If you drive by, so, so that's going to be going on. We also, I've, I've been kind of waiting a little bit. We're going to be talking with the board next week. But um, we're also kind of in the middle of a capital campaign where we're asking people if you have any, you know, maybe you feel uh, a sense from the spirit or maybe you have some extra funds. If you want to donate it in, in the tithes and offering, just make sure to mark down building fund. And um, we're going to be using that to, it's expensive. I don't know if you guys know, it's expensive to do stuff. It's really expensive. And so um, it's something that we need to do. Sadly, our roof is like a, a necessary evil where we have to fix it or else the building falls apart, which would be bad. And we'd be worshiping out in the parking lot, which might not be bad, but, you know, I don't know. So anyways, so that's starting this week. Be in prayer with us. I thank you for partnering with us. Um, today, we are actually going to be finishing up our series entitled, You're Invited. You guys sad or are you guys happy? Okay. All right. I guess I'm more sad than you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, we're finishing up our series entitled, you're invited. And so if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're actually going to be reading uh, verses 9 through, um, 9, through tw- well, 9 through 13. And so we've been talking just through some different things over the last few weeks. And I guess we just kind of want to let people know that you're invited. Like you're invited to come and be a part of the family of God. You're invited if you have questions. You're, in di- you're invited if you have doubts. You're invited if, you know, you might have worries. You're invited to be a part of the, isn't that great news this morning that you're invited? And so we actually came up with these cool little business cards that uh, Pastor Nate and Liz made that says you're invited. And so we've been encouraging people as you're out and about to invite your friends and invite your family to church. And, you know, everyone's invited. And so, um, yeah, we've just been kind of going through this series. And um, so, so again, we're going to be, we're going to be reading in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Um, starting in verse 9, and it says this. I'm reading out of the New International Version. It says, Do your best to come to me quickly for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me, and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, and Titus to uh, Dalmatia. Sorry. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. I'm going to read that one more time. Do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, he has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Demaltia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark. Look to your neighbor and say, get Mark. Look to your neighbor and say, get Mark. And bring him to me because he's helpful to me in ministry. Look to your neighbor and say, Mark's helpful. Mark is helpful. Praise the Lord. Mark is helpful to me in ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. 
When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Especially the parchments. Um, yeah. So, Lord, be with us this morning as we speak through your word. Again, I just pray that you minister in a, in a powerful way this morning. God, I pray for those people who are here this morning. Maybe they feel a little broken, and I pray that you will minister to them. Speak to them. Use them in a powerful way. Amen. Um, has anyone ever felt like you're too broken? Has anyone felt like maybe you're more than broken, you're shattered? Like, like all the glue in the world, all of the liquid nail in the world, all of the, what's that, what's that stuff we got, John, the, for the, all the, 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 the J.B. Weld, is that what it is, J.B. Weld? All the J.B. Weld, actually, John helped me uh, do some stuff with the awning the other day. Thank you, John. Can we give him a hand? Thank you, John. All the J.B. Weld in the world um, will, <laughs> will not be able to repair because I'm broken and I'm shattered. And um, I think that sometimes people think that they're too broken to be used. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to lay down a little bit of a, I'm going to kind of tell a little bit of a story. I'm going to talk about a guy in the New Testament, and then I'm going to give you some application, okay? So, so bear with me. So I'm kind of laying down a foundation to set forth a, a word for you. I'm too broken. And broken is, brokenness is a condition in which something is badly damaged and unable to continue or work properly. Brokenness. I'm too broken. I'm too shattered. Um, and so I wanted to look, actually, we, we read his name here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, at a character in the New Testament by the name of John Mark. Can you look to your neighbor and say, John Mark? Look to your other neighbor and say, what's the guy from the Waltons? Was it Billy Bob or John Bob? John Bob? Billy Bob? Billy Bob, Bob, Bob. Okay, whatever. John Mark. All right. Today I want to take and look at, uh, what I want to do is I want to look at brokenness through the lens of a biblical character by the name of John Boy. That's his name. John Mark. <laughs> uh, through John Mark. Um. It's interesting, actually, because he's a little bit of an obscure character. In fact, you have to uh, even kind of maybe read into the text a little bit to understand exactly who he was and what he did. And so I'm going to try to do a good job of that for you today. Um, the first time he's mentioned in Scripture is actually, he's mentioned by name in Scripture, is actually found in the book of Acts. Um, the church had um, thrived. So the day of Pentecost had come. The church had thrived. A bunch of people had gotten saved. And uh, through the thriving, there was persecution. In fact, we can see in Acts chapter 9 that persecution broke out against the church. And um, what happened was uh, they were taking off men, they were, they were taking men and women and throwing them in prison. And there was just a great persecution against the church. And um, you can see the stoning of Stephen. You can see Saul breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. You can see all sorts of crazy stuff happen. And really, really from Acts chapter 8 um, with the stoning of Stephen to 9, uh, Saul breathing out the murderous threats, and you kind of you see this escalation of the persecution of the church. And so um, what happened is um, King Herod was a pretty bad guy, and what he did is he grabbed 
James, the brother of John, and he had him put to death. And when he saw that this pleased the people, he seized Peter as well, and he threw Peter in prison. And he put um, Peter uh, in the stocks between two guards. And it's interesting, actually, if you look at, at Acts chapter 12, verse 12, it says that when his time had, when the time had, had, had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John. And so, again, I'm kind of laying a foundation for you. So, so, so Peter was in prison, and the church was praying to God for Peter as he was in prison. How many of you guys know that prayer works? Amen? So they were praying to, um, they were praying to God for Peter because he was in prison. And uh, they were meeting at the home of, um, uh, of John Mark's mother, whose name was Mary. So John Mark's mother was a Christian woman who was holding church uh, while Christians were being persecuted. And so I can imagine, so, so I can imagine like uh, John Mark maybe being a younger man, maybe being a, a young uh, whoopersnapper like my son Bennett, or maybe just a little older, uh, just a, a young man who's there and he's kind of hearing all the stories of the uh, uh, disciples and the, and the apostles, and he, he's hearing all these wonderful things that had happened. He heard about the, maybe he was even there at the day of Pentecost when uh, thousands of people were saved. Maybe he was, uh, he heard about the, the moment when uh, Peter and, um, uh, when they were at the gate and, and, and uh, uh, the, the, the temple gate called Beautiful and the crippled beggar was healed, right? Like maybe he heard about that and uh, they were at his house when they were praying and when Peter walked in the door and they thought he was in prison and like, miraculous things happened, and I can kind of imagine John Mark maybe kind of getting excited about all the wonderful things that the Lord was doing, and being a young man, and being, again, and, and just, just excited about uh, the moving of God, and the moving of the Spirit, and um, I don't know, do you, do you guys, I, sometimes I feel like passion breeds passion, and so like he's, he's around Peter, and he's excited as Peter's talking about like, hey, I was, I was in the prison, I was chained between two guards. I was petrified. I, I, I was in the prison because I know that, that James, the brother of John, had just been put to death, and, and Herod inevitably was going to try to kill me, and here I was in prison. And while I was in prison, chained between the two guards, an angel came, and the chains fell off, and the angel led me out of the prison gates, and the, and, 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 and the angel led me to the gate of the city. And the, and the gate of the city, it says in Scripture, just opened by itself. And Peter walked through. I can imagine Peter talking to the church, John Mark being there with his mom, listening to the story about how Peter had been miraculously saved and miraculously brought out of prison and just been totally encouraged. Like even in adversity, even in like persecution, God was still moving and God was still doing some really cool stuff. And so um, it's interesting too. So, 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 so we know that John Mark, and again, I'm kind of laying a foundation, so, so bear with me. So we know that John Mark's mother um, was a host of the early church. And also we know from the book of Corinthians that John Mark's brother was Barnabas. Can you look to your neighbor and say Barnabas? Yeah, his cousin was Barnabas. Um, Barnabas was like the right-hand man to Paul. He had gone with Paul on his missionary journeys. He was his companion in scripture. He's referred to as a good man. He's referred to as a man who is full of the Holy Spirit and who was full of faith, which is pretty cool. In scripture, it says that through his ministry, a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Barnabas means the son of encouragement, which is pretty cool. And so Barnabas was just the man. He was one of the early church 
uh, fathers. He was just a natural servant. He was a natural worker. He was a leader in the early church. So, so John Mark, his, his mother was hosting church. She was doing the prayer. She was doing the prayer meetings, and she was getting down with the Lord, right? Uh, his cousin is Barnabas, and Barnabas is like one of the early church fathers, right? So he, Barnabas is known as the son of encouragement. He was a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit. Um, he brought a number of people to the Lord. And Barnabas' buddy was Paul. We've all heard of, you guys have heard of Paul, right? Like Saul was transformed to Paul. Uh, he went on three missionary journeys. He planted tons of churches. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And so I would say John Mark's pedigree was actually pretty impressive for the early church. His mother was Mary, who was a host, and was hosting prayer meetings. His cousin was Barnabas, who was um, the man, who was the son of encouragement, who was full of the Holy Spirit, who, was, uh, a, who brought a great number of people to the Lord. And Barnas, Barnabas's pal was Paul, um, who, again, who wrote most of the New Testament. And so um, it really looks like he had a lot of good things going for him. Um, so, so I can just imagine him being around his mother, being around Barnabas. I think he was probably around, obviously around Peter, around Paul. And he hears that Paul is going on a missionary journey. And um, I can imagine him there, maybe at his mother's house, eating some ramen noodles and baked beans. I don't know if that's a weird mix. Ramen noodles and mac and cheese. I don't know. Ramen, he's, eating, he's eating ramen noodles, and he's, he's there with his mother, and he, he, hears, he hears Paul and his cousin Barnabas talking about taking a missions trip. And um, listen, they're not going to take a missions trip to um, some, like, terrible place, but they're going to take a missions trip to the island of Cyprus. Um, and, I mean, sometimes I wish the Lord would call me to do some island ministry, if you know what I mean, right? And so, <laughs> praise the Lord. Um, so, the island, so, so Cyprus is, again, it isn't like a bad place, but Cyprus is actually like a really nice island. It's an island that has beautiful beaches, has culture. In fact, if you go and you look up Cyprus, even today it's a place that you can go and visit, and it just looks amazing. So, John Mark, again, he, you know, he's kind of good pedigree, his mother Mary, he's friends with Paul, he's friends with Barnabas, he's friends with Peter, he's part of the early church, learns that um, Paul and Barnabas are taking a missions trip to Cyprus. And so take a look at it in Acts chapter 13, verses 4 through 5. It says, the two of them, Paul and Barnabas, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of the God there in the Jewish synagogues, and John was with them as their helper. John Mark was with them as their helper. So he goes with them on this missions trip. And again, Cyprus is a, a beautiful area. It's a beautiful island. Lots of nice beaches, lots of nice natives, lots of beautiful things to see. I imagine John Mark was someone who again, was encouraged by all the things that he'd heard from the disciples. He was encouraged by Peter being released from prison by the power of the Holy Spirit and by an angel. Heard about the things that had happened on the day of Pentecost. Maybe he was even there. And here he is going on his first missions trip. 
to a beautiful island. And it's interesting because when you read Acts chapter 13, you can see that um, the mission strip wasn't maybe exactly what John Mark was expecting. He goes there and with Paul and Barnabas, and he's met, they're met very quickly by uh, some spiritual warfare. They're met very quickly by a sorcerer and a false prophet, an attendant of the proconsul, like the governor of Cyprus. And um, so I, I can't imagine what that would have been like, especially maybe for a young man who hadn't experienced things like that before. And um, so Paul goes there, and Paul, through the power of the Holy Spirit, kind of prophesies, and this sorcerer, this false prophet, uh, became like blind and started wandering around. And the proconsul was so amazed that what had happened, the proconsul actually believed and was saved. But when you read Acts chapter 13, you look what happened after this happened. So John Mark goes on this missions trip, and he you know, comes into contact with this sorcerer and this prophet, uh, this false prophet. You look at what happens in Acts chapter 13, verse 13. It says, then uh, from Pappas, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. So um, scholars are kind of conflicted on why John Mark left. Um, in fact, we're not entirely sure why he left. Some suggest that he was homesick. Some suggest that perhaps he wasn't prepared for such a long trip, and uh, he, cut him, he just cut it short. Some have su suggested that perhaps he took unnece unnecessary, that he felt like Paul took unnecessary risks in confronting the Jews and was putting his own life in jeopardy. Some have uh, suggested that maybe he just received a letter from home. Um, some have suggested that maybe he felt unqualified to answer the questions that the Gentiles were asking. But um, it kind of looks like to me as if he wasn't prepared for the trip and he quit, he gave up, and he thought the task in front of him was too hard. It's interesting, too, because if you read in, in Acts chapter 15, it says that uh, sometime later Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. And Barnabas wanted to take John, also known as Mark, with them, but Paul did not, want, uh, did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them. So you look at the wordage there, and it's like, hmm. So, so there was conflict. In fact, there was such a sharp disagreement that, they part, that Paul and Barnabas actually parted company. So it, it, it looks like, and again, there, there's some conflict with, with scholars. And, and really, the Bible isn't entirely clear why John Mark left. But it, it almost looks like he, again, Scripture says that he deserted them. And, I, and it almost kind of looks like he quit. It almost looks like he gave up. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. When I, when I read that, it's kind of like, I don't know. Have you ever signed up for something before? And when you signed up for it and when you started doing it, you realized it isn't what you signed up for? You know what I'm talking about? Like, I remember my, one of my first jobs, I worked at Hardee's. And um, I remember I walked in, 
my mom probably, my mom's here, by the way. Hey, so my mom's here, by the way. Um, I remember I walked in, and I was 15 years old, and uh, I sat down, and the guy pretty much said, when can you work? Like, he didn't even really ask me any other questions, like, no qualifiers. And I'm like, wow, I must have really put on a good impression with this with this guy to get hired without even asking any questions. So I said, I'm so so start working. And let me tell you what. I was excited about the paycheck, but I was not excited about the job. It was, it was inc- I think I lasted three months. It was so difficult. It was so, people coming in, and then I remember the, the highlight of, of my time working there is we would make, it was like, like back in the day, we'd make the ice cream cones, and we, you know, we, we'd start the ice cream, and we'd, we'd, you'd have to spin it just a certain way. And we'd have customers that would come in and say, how tall can you make it? And I, I would go, like, all the way down, and I'd give someone an ice cream cone that was, like, three feet tall. Like, that was, that was kind of, like, the highlight of my, of my time working there. And, um, but, but I realized quickly that my $5.15 an hour that I was earning was probably not worth the work that I was putting in at Hardee's. It was so difficult. It was so hard. Like, I, you know, I remember the customers would come in, and they would be so, they'd be like, oh, I want a Monster Burger with this, that, and the other. And I'd I give it to them, and they're like, no, I said I want, it was, and people get so angry about their food. It was, like, it was not, it was weird. It wasn't what, like, I had this dream of my first job. I'd go, and everyone would come, and they'd be happy, and they'd be smiling, and, you know, I'd be giving them the ice cream, and they'd be giving me a tip, and, you know, everyone, I don't know, but it wasn't like that at all. It also reminds me of when my wife and I uh, took a ministry assignment in Illinois, and the pastor beforehand, he said, he said, hey, um, yeah, you know, we really feel like you were call- you, like God is calling us to you. And I'm like, yes, I feel like I'm getting called to you. And we went there and we visited and we, we loved it and we, we enjoyed the people. And, and, and the pastor said, listen, he actually kind of warned us ahead of time. But, you know, whatever, we're young and foolish and whatnot. And he said, hey, listen, he said the, the last youth pastor um, had a moral failing with a youth leader. And he said, so um, just, you know, I think you're going to be perfect for it. You know, eh, whatever, not a big deal. I'm like, sweet. So, um, so I went into that situation not knowing what I was signing up for. It's like, you know, when you go into a place and uh, there's distrust, and you, or you go into a place and there's been a moral failing, you go into a place and you think, oh, this is, you know, I, I th- you know, you know, th- this should be easy. And let me tell you what, it was like ministry there. I equate it to plowing a field, like a like a hundred acre field, with a spoon. It was dry ground. It was hard ground. It was difficult ground. And and I, th- I think sometimes sometimes I look at John Mark and I wonder, like, did he really? know what he was signing up for. And I can imagine, I can imagine him thinking to himself and maybe even the, the enemy whispering to him. So, so, so let me step back for a second. So, so in summary, you think about him and it's like um, he, he left the missions trip early. He, in the words of Paul, deserted uh, Paul and Barnabas on their first missions trip. He caused a rift between Two pillars in the church, okay? So some big things. Some people have also speculated that he was the young man mentioned in Mark chapter 14 who left Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane. So, so think about it. Leaving a missions trip early, causing a rift between two pillars in the church, potentially being someone who deserted Jesus at his most 
vulnerable hour. And according to Mark chapter 14, he might have done it while he was naked, okay? So it's a wild story, okay? So a lot of things that might have been happening with John Mark. And so I can imagine maybe even the enemy whispering in his ear, uh, John Mark, you've made mistakes. John Mark, you've caused hurt. John Mark, you've done things that you shouldn't, and you should be ashamed of this. Again, I'm thinking of brokenness, a condition in, in which someone is badly damaged and unusable to continue or to work correctly. And I, I think about John Mark, and I, I think, man, maybe there are those of us today who feel as if we've messed up too. We feel as if we have been broken. We feel as if we have been used. We feel as if God can't use what we're laying forward. We feel kind of like we just want to step back into the shadows and go unnoticed. Um, some of you might be saying, I'm more, bro- I- I'm more than broken. I'm shattered. And again, all the glue in the world, all the liquid nail in the world, all the JB Weld in the world will never put us back together. I just look at John Mark. I'm like, man, what a, what a crazy story about a crazy young man who caused some dissension in the church and maybe even d- deserted Jesus in his final hour. What a crazy story. And again, maybe some of you are feeling like that today. Maybe some of you can relate with John Mark today. Maybe some of you are like, yeah, like I know, I know exactly what it's like to be a failure. I know exactly what it's like to be broken. I know exactly what it's like to be shattered. But you know, it's interesting because when I looked closer at the text, I realized this. I realized that the Bible is actually, has anyone ever read it before? I was surprised. I read it for the first time yesterday. And when I looked closer at the text, it surprised me. It really did. When I looked closer at the text, I realized that the Bible is actually filled with broken people. <laughs> I'm like, it's filled with broken people. It's filled with messed up people. In fact, it's not just John Mark. It's like literally every single person on every single page. Peter denied Christ three times and cut off someone's ear. Matthew was a tax collector. Mary Magdalene was more than likely a prostitute. James and John had major issues with anger. Paul spent most of his life persecuting the church. Like every single page, every single person, every single story is about broken people that God was using over and over and over again. And so sometimes I think people, they come to church and they're like, God can never use me because I'm broken. God can never use me because I'm shattered. God can never use me because of my mistakes. God can never use me because I worked at Hardee's and it was terrible. God can never use me because we're like, we have all the things and all the excuses and all, like, over and over. But have you read the Bible? 
The Bible is filled with broken people that God used in miraculous ways. In fact, in Scripture it says that my, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. I think about King David, who had a moral failing, who had an affair with Bathsheba. And then after he had an affair with Bathsheba, he actually arranged for her husband to be killed. And if you read Psalms chapter 51, um, actually, maybe I'm just going to read it. I wasn't planning this. If you want to turn to Psalms chapter 51. And take a look at his prayer. spot. Psalms chapter 51. He said, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin are always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth and sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in the secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let my ear hear, let, let, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your, of, of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it to you. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. Look at verse 17. It says, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and a, broken and a contrite heart you, God, will not despise. God, my, my sacrifice to you, my sacrifice is I'm going to give you the best that I can. In fact, I'm going to come to church, and I'm going to give you every Sunday morning. I'm going to give you from 1030 to 1145. And if, if Pastor Evan goes over a little bit, I might even give you till noon. That's going to be my sacrifice to you, God. No, God, my sacrifice to you is going to be I'm going to give you um, 10% of everything that I have. I'm going to give you all my money. I'm going to give you all everything that I got. My sacrifice to you is I'm going to give you all my talent. I'm going to give you, but no, it's interesting. King David said, my sacrifice to you 
is my brokenness. It's my brokenness. My sacrifice to you is my brokenness, my broken spirit. In Psalms chapter 34, it says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves up those who are crushed in spirit. I think sometimes we think that God is scared of our brokenness, or maybe even the church is scared of our brokenness. uses broken people every single day to bring about the tasks. If you have thoughts in your head like, oh, like I've, I've just messed up too much. I've just missed the mark too much. I've just, man, I just, I feel like such, I feel like John Mark. I feel like, like, like I, I had all the answers and then I messed up and I just, I just, like, if you feel if you feel that way, I, I want to encourage you that it, it's the enemy speaking in your ear. In your brokenness, God is not done with you yet. And God loves to use broken people to accomplish his purposes. God uses broken things to bring about his blessing. What's interesting is, and the worship team can come back up again, what's interesting is that John Mark deserted Paul and Barnabas. He caused a rift between them. Some issues that happen. But you can see Paul later in his life, maybe days, weeks before his death, he's writing a letter to Timothy, kind of his last will and testament. The last words that he penned to the church. And he says to them, he says to him, he said, do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Demaltia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark, get John Mark, and bring him to me because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Get Mark, get John Mark. And bring him to me because he is helpful to me in my ministry. It's interesting because the, the, the church fathers say that um, this wasn't the end of John Mark in Acts chapter 15, where he deserted Paul and Barnabas, but he later became known as Mark the Evangelist. He is thought to be the first bishop of Alexandria and the first to establish the church in Africa. God loves to use broken people. God, today I just pray for your spirit to continue to minister. Pray for your spirit to continue to speak and for you to continue to move this morning, Father. Perhaps there are some John Marks out in the congregation today. People that have messed up. 
people that are broken, people that are shattered, people that have caused rifts, people that have caused problems, people that, man, they just don't have the best resume. And God, God, this morning, I just pray that you'll minister to them this morning. God, I, I pray that you'll just speak to them and, 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 and speak to their spirit, Father. I pray that you'll remind them that, that you're not done with them yet and that you, you love to use broken people to accomplish your purposes. We know this because we can go to the Word and we can see that you use broken people again and again and again and again and again and again. And today, God, I say that our sacrifice to you is our brokenness. Our sacrifice to you this morning is not um, our, 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 you know, our talents or our time. Or, but our, our sacrifice to you this morning is our brokenness. And we're bringing that to you this morning and asking that, 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 that you bless our brokenness and that you uh, use us this morning in powerful ways, God. I pray that we won't let our brokenness be an obstacle to be used by you in a powerful way this morning. God, I pray that we won't allow the lies of the enemy to come in and speak to us and, and discourage us and, and hold us down, but that you will uh, build us up and that you will bless our brokenness. In your holy name, God, and as we sing this song one last time, may you receive the glory and the praise.